The podcast you're about to enjoy is brought to you by trained early childhood educators. We have a combined 40 years of experience working in child care and child development. Most of that's from Mark because he's so goddamn old. Also, this show contains grown-ups using grown-up words like fuck and shit and sometimes vulva, which we bring up only so that you can show your kids that you can listen to sweary stuff too, Kevin. Hello, everybody, and welcome to episode two. My name is Scott Forbes. And I am Mark Bat. And this ain't babysitting. Thank you guys so much for joining us for our second episode. Hope you guys got a little bit of a break, a pee break between episode one and two. Something like that. Why is... Like, fuck, man. Why is it all bodily functions for you? You know what, Mark? I've had a lot of cups of coffee okay, today. Okay, okay. I've all drank right. a lot of fluids. Okay. It's on my mind. All right. I'd appreciate it all if right. you back off the subject a I'm little bit. I'm 54 and I'm not even talking about it. It's always on my mind. Well, you're, you we weren't raised to talk about okay. it. Okay. That's true. Boomers. That's true. Boomers can't hey, talk about pee and poop. we've got an interesting topic today. One might even call it a risky topic. Ooh, and that's what we've been talking about, is risky play for kids. This would be a great time if we had the rights to play the the, the theme song for Risky Business, or like that the, the title theme for the movie Risky Business. It's like I don't even know you. You don't really know me. You taught me for two years, and we went to a couple <laughs> Jets games together. That's true. And had a couple of beers. There you go. Hey, uh, no, Risky Play, I am so, again... We talked about in our first show, we've got a generational difference yes. here. And I am so fucking sick to death of uh, people, A, um, categorizing children's play and putting it into this brand new thing called risky play. It's just play. I am sick of terms like bubble wrap kids, what's the helicopter, helicopter parents, parents uh, free range. What the fuck is free range childhood? It's where uh, you don't put them in little cages um, and then they their eggs turn out to be oh. a bit of a darker color. Oh, okay. I like um, that. PETA's big fans of it. Oh, okay. Yeah. I like that. But I'm sick of these goddamn terms, right? And again, it's creating this weird judgment on parents. It's, that, it's that's cr- I think the, it's that's fun. the thing that I that I take issue with when when we talk about categorizing play mm-hmm. and we talk about categorizing, you know, parenting styles is that as soon as you say I'm doing X, yeah. somebody else is coming going to come along and say, "Well, you shouldn't do X, you should do Y." Yeah. And and maybe Y works for them. But maybe why doesn't work for this parent, yeah. and yeah. and so so when you when you break things down into categories categories like we we've been talking about, um, you can't you you immediately create a judgment. Yeah, when I played as a kid, I didn't realize when I climbed a tree was risky play, or ride my bike down a hill was risky play, or play with knives and firecrackers was risky play, or hide in the woods was risky play, or wrestle and fight with my best friend was risky play. That was just play. That's just how you played. That's just how you played, but now there's a whole goddamn industry, and a whole, there's a rejection of it, and then there's this whole other industry giving these fancy, what is that, free... Free range. Free range. Fuck, that Free range. is nuts to me. There's a there's a, a company uh, in the states and and forgive me, I can't recall exactly what city this was in, but uh, I saw these these little business cards you give to your kids so that when your kids go to the park by themselves mm-hmm. and somebody comes up to them and says, "Oh my God, you're by yourself. I'm so mm-hmm. I'm so worried about you." You just your child can can have the, the peace of mind, the wherewithal <laughs> to give this stranger a little card, and on the little card it reads. 
I am participating, or I am engaged in free-range play. Oh, My parents are vaguely aware of where I am. <laughs> they and then and it goes on to, to list. It's like a, it's a legal document. It's a goddamn <laughs> release notice. It's a waiver of rights. Jesus and and the fact that there is this this culture that almost expects yeah. that for a child for when you see a child on their own in a in your neighborhood. Mm-hmm. When you don't see a child with a parent, it, p- other parents get very nervous. Yeah. Which, I noticed it in myself. Even. Which, which is funny because just a couple months ago here in Winnipeg, this is what we're broadcasting at, uh, the center of North America. Pretty great. And uh, one great city. Apparently. One great city. <laughs> one great city. <laughs> in for Winnipeg. Those, for those weaker than fans out yes. there. Well, uh, and in Winnipeg, in uh, your end of town, I do believe, in the wo- lovely Wolseley, the Granola Belt. The Granola Belt, yeah. And there was uh, these two kids went to the store by themselves. Some snooty old lady got her knickers in a knot and contacted the the CFS. The The authorities, which then they go and investigate like there's some goddamn abandonment. But you got to understand, people. I'm in the north end of Winnipeg, the tough and rough Scrabble end of town. Also the coolest restaurants and the coolest people, I will add that Tough in. and rough Scrabble? Yeah, it's an old term back from the old days. All right. It's all right. It's I don't a, quite understand. It's a generation where you throw Scrabble pieces at each other. Is that the risky play you engaged in? Uh, no. No. Okay. Anywho, the risk of Scrabble is risky because you're always afraid of spelling words wrong and then you're being. You're always afraid of that goddamn. Asshole. You're afraid of that goddamn Q that you get in your, in your letters and you don't have a U. You can't find a U to you save can't your do life. Anything. So, anyways, in the North End, our kids are out all the time. We got kids riding bicycles, going to the Seven Eleven, and there's homeless guys there. The kids go to the store. They're out. Uh, one time, uh, my wife and I were driving through the North End coming home, and we came across these four girls. They had to be about, uh, I'd say, from four years of age to about eight years of age on their bicycles riding towards us. And my wife goes, oh, like, aren't people worried that these kids might get abducted? And as we drove past them, I said, honey, look at their faces, and no word of a lie. They looked at us like, what the fuck? fuck are you looking at <laughs> slow and tell slow down fuck? for what motherfucker yeah. and i swear one was smoking <laughs> <laughs> what just, a, just puts it out in her hand and she's yeah, making eye contact yeah, she's with staring you. at me and i'm sweating like a pig right? <laughs> so no one's gonna take these goddamn it's just, kids it's it's funny too like i've i've worked in child care centers that have been in schools mm. and and one of the things that we, i was on a committee with a with a, a lawyer who who works with a lot of uh child custody cases and and work, advocates for children and he said uh you know one of his meetings with the division he said one of these divisional guys got up in this meeting after they were taught they'd been in this 45 minute rant tirade about you know how the secure entrances for their buildings mm. and lockdown procedures mm-hmm. and all this kind of stuff and there was the, and he just stood up and this is a guy who's worked for the division for years he said i don't understand why we have such an unnatural obsession with abduction mm. Mm-hmm. And we have this, mm-hmm. and that's that's something that you know. In reflection, you can you could say that comes from you know news stories of mm-hmm. children going missing, and and you mm-hmm. know the the late eighties, early nineties kind of um, buzz about children being being abducted, and your kids aren't safe in your neighborhood, mm-hmm. and and that fear culture that was created. But there's no the risk of your child being abducted by a complete stranger is is almost negligible mm-hmm. the 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 
your likelihood of that happening is is akin to you getting struck by twice while winning the Powerball. Like you can't, you you can't. I'm making that stat up, but you can't. God, I hope you don't disappear because this this would have been a really. I'm not a child anymore, so I my know, odds are. But the are, irony. Are, yeah, I'm not a child. Irony. I have a very pretty face too, so there's very there's oh, there's it's a lot higher terrible. for me to 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 get out there but i like what you said about the fear and and that's what our show today is going to be about is how do we overcome the fear of allowing our kids to be who they're supposed to be through risky play and we're not going to be the only ones talking about it are we we're not today we have uh we have a very special guest uh her name is melinda walden uh she is a phenomenal uh speaker she's a teacher at the local college here that's Um, what i hear and she uh she teaches uh early childhood education she talks about controversial play yeah um you know here and and in other parts of the country and and she does she does a lot of work uh helping people and direct work in in child care centers too helping people to uh to navigate their their concerns navigate their fears to a place where you start to feel comfortable with the idea of my kid can climb trees mm-hmm. you know my kid can can play with sharp sticks mm-hmm. my kid can can run through these through this rock bed and she's not only an educator studying this stuff she's got two kids of her own too she does she's trying it out on their two kids on their own well it's the best where you get the best research from absolutely absolutely and can it's i add there's so much paperwork to do that kind of research with other people's kids but yeah. if you got your own yeah try mean, it out yeah exactly try it out and the last thing little thing i know about her she was a cheerleader all right that's, that's probably amazing. one of the riskiest professions I think you it's can very, have. Very risky. I I watch cheerleaders get thrown up in the air all the time, and I think to myself, that's I couldn't, I could not be the person. You know, slight cheerleader tangent here. I could mm-hmm. not be the person responsible for catching another human being that's just flown and flipped I like know. 560 degrees. I know. And then I have to catch them and land them safely on the ground. That's that. You know, it also would be me. And please, I this is going to sound terrible. But if we go out for supper yeah. before a, a game, I'm going to be watching what she's eating. <laughs> okay. All right? Now, like, maybe okay. just hit the you fruit. Can't, you can't get on my case about pee and poop <sighs> jokes and then just, just start bringing them in, just sneaking them no, in like no, that. No, I'm, I'm more concerned about the added weight. I've, I've already done in a, you know some mathematical understanding how much you weigh currently, but you're you're hitting the fucking poutine. <laughs> I'm worried because I if have I calculated for that extra. That's there, that's where my head goes. Totally go. inappropriate. But body image stuff, totally. In it. I'm just thinking pragmatics. That's going to be a lot of extra weight. I don't know if I can hold that. There are equations to consider. Absolutely, okay. there's physics that come just, into play. I imagine Melinda's going to tear a strip off me yeah, when she comes. I on. hope she does that on air. I, um, so let's, uh, should we go to the ad? Yeah, and I think get we, to I a think Melinda. Go to the ad break. Go to the ad break. Okay, let's go to the ad break. Starting right now. <laughs> All right, hey everybody, thank you very much for tuning into This Ain't Babysitting. This is uh, our first episode. We're so excited that you guys are listening here to us. Uh, just wanted to take a couple minutes and talk to you guys about how uh, you can support this show. Uh, following us on, on social media is fabulous. It's great. It's not going to pay our bills as much as we would hope it would, though. So we are looking to you guys uh, to help us kind of cover some of the operating costs of this podcast. We have domain fees. We have uh, we have storage fees. We have fees for for um for basically the the operation of the show so what i'm looking for is for you guys to head over to patreon.com slash this ain't babysitting 
That's P-A-T-R-E-O-N.com slash This Ain't Babysitting. Uh, and uh, if you're able to, if you're in a financial situation where you're able to, it would be really helpful for us if you could become uh, a patron of the show. Uh, we have different tiers that you can uh, subscribe to. You can. We have a $5 tier, $10 tier, $20 tier, $30 tier, whatever. If you're able to support this show, we kind of think of it like uh, like Netflix. This is entertainment for you guys. Uh, if you're able to chip in a little bit to help us out, it really goes a long way to improving the quality of our show. So if you could head over to patreon.com slash this ain't babysitting, uh, you can find all of our tiers on there. There's rewards for people who, who donate. Um, and if we're able to, if we can get up to 500 patrons, uh, it helps us. We can add more infrastructure to the show. We can add video to the show. We can add a, a video component. So if you guys are able to, you can head on over to patreon.com slash this ain't babysitting and uh, throw, us, throw us a little bit of that, that sweet, sweet cheddar. God Appreciate bless it. us, everyone. Oh, God. Okay. All right. Thank you very much, Scott, for that wonderful ad break. Appreciate all that you do for the show. Yeah, I like his voice. He's, you know, it is, it's velvety smooth. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, we got a we had a very special guest. Uh, I'm pretty excited. Yeah, it's. I lo- I could listen to Melinda all day talk about this stuff. Well, it helps that you work with her then. Mm-hmm. Um. So we want to. Uh, give a very warm the same babysitting welcome to Melinda Walden. Thank you very much. Yeah. And by well, the way, I just wanted to say that um, I didn't eat before I would cheerlead. Good. So I was the one throwing up in the air, but I was just worried I would throw up if I didn't do that. So yeah, just you don't want to throw you know up while mark. you're being thrown up. No, exactly. <laughs> that would be awful. <laughs> <laughs> that would be terrible. All right, thank you for that. You're and, welcome. And I was saying that here I say this food thing. It would make some fabulous and pictures. And though. Ate my subway sub so fast. I'm doing whatever it takes not to burp through this entire fucking show. So. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know why I said that, so, but thank you, Melinda, for we're clarifying. All, we're all going through stages. Okay. Yeah. Well, Melinda, you're here to talk about risk play. We started off by just sort of, you know, this is sort of the trouble out there is that uh, kids aren't getting enough opportunities to to engage in risky play. We're talking about, isn't it ridiculous that we even have a category called risky play? And isn't it ridiculous that, like Scott's example, if you can get a special card to engage when when we all know it's just a normal, natural part of play? So... So could we start by you answering, like, what what is risky play for those people listening? And, and why is it so important? Okay, well, risky play is a exciting and it's exhilarating type of play, but it comes with the possibility of physical injury. Mm. So that's why we're fear, like, we are fearful as adults to watch children do this. We don't want kids to get hurt. That's basically the bottom mm-hmm. line of that definition, right? Because mm-hmm. you possibly could get hurt by engaging in any risk. Right. That's a good thing. We're mm-hmm. being very careful of that because... I know several very successful people who have never been hurt in their life. Mm-hmm. By the way, this is Ellen Stansetter's work. Just letting you know before okay. I get <laughs> just got to throw that out. Yeah, there. absolutely. Um, but anyway, yeah. So, yeah, that's kind of it's our fear based upon letting children get hurt. But we're going to talk about why that's important right away. But there are actually six categories of risky play. Um, one is great heights. So you were talking mm-hmm. about um, climbing trees, different things. When you see children in childcare centers, you see them on the top of the monkey bars. Yeah, yeah. Bookshelves, Book toddlers yeah. with bookshelves. Oh, yeah. infants and toddlers, they're probably the biggest climbers because as soon as infants can start moving, oh the fir- they, even before they can stand, they're already climbing upstairs. They're climbing everywhere. Can we just, can we yeah. just get like a, a little meeting of, of toddlers and infants together and just explain to them what wheels are? Because my, my son who is about to be two, he loves 
to climb on things, but he does not climb on anything that is static in one place. He climbs on his little his little cars that he can ride mm. around in. He climbs on anything that will move as soon as he shifts his weight. And then without fail, he eats the side of the couch or he eats the side of the bookshelf every single goddamn time. I love him to death. But man, I wish he could just... Yeah, so that's Chill uncomfortable that. for you. Yeah, a <laughs> little bit. But <laughs> also, bit. but also, I love what you had said about it's it's exhilarating, but yeah. it overcomes a fear. It does, yeah. and that's the whole thing. Is like watching your son do that's really uncomfortable. But the whole thing about this is you have to let them do it, and you have to let them fall. And I think mm-hmm. that's that's what children need to do is understand the consequences to. Um, climbing and then falling and how to fall like there's so much learning that comes in just from climbing and falling because if you don't know how to fall sorry you're not gonna like be able to be here in Winnipeg in the winter day going down the sidewalk on the ice you have to learn how to fall properly right and did you know they actually teach gravity in school now they actually (laughs) teach it now you have to they need kids need to know like what happens when you drop something or when you right. fall because mm-hmm. they've, they've never done it before. Isn't that insane? Because gravity yeah. is a child's worst enemy. Right. Yeah. It's it's your nemesis all through your, childhood. Through your entire childhood. Yeah. Yeah. I think the whole time you're just trying to fight it. Yeah, you're exactly. You're trying to get higher. You're trying to jump. Exactly. To and I'm, I'm going to go very controversial. I When I see a kid, I don't like watching kids climb trees, but I allow them, of course, right? Mm-hmm. Nobody. It, it, it can make you feel weird. But then I also get this weird... Oh my God, I'm seeing us as an evolutionary species. Mm-hmm. Are they acting out our early peoples when we came from, I'm sorry to be controversial, but when we came from apes? All right, let's just, okay, I think, we're we, moving can, on. I think we can, no, we can I actually, the- no, I love this because I actually, this is evolutionary based yeah. because it's all based on survival. Yeah. So if you want to survive, even as not necessarily an ape, but as a human, if you need to get away from something and you need to climb to get away, yeah. you need to be able to do that. I think of mm-hmm. um, when I go hiking with my kids in the forest, it was like, man, if there's like an animal that, well, that doesn't a, know how to climb, bear. I yeah. really hope that my kids know how to climb and I know how to climb yeah. with them because that's going to be a huge thing to save you. Yeah. Absolutely. So can yeah. I just add to mm-hmm. this, you know, um, uh, the, the thing that drives me crazy about not allowing a kid to risk. I even go back here. I went to evolution, brought up a awful can't. Now I'm going to do conception. Okay, and and you just think about okay, so you're that little sperm that beat those millions of other sperms through a very dangerous passage to find an egg and take a chance on an egg, and then you get developed and you're 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 ripped out of this comfortable place into the world. All of those things in, that you've had to face, and now I'm not going to let you climb a tree. Of all the dangers that you've gone to just to get to this fucking place. But you're not going to climb the tree. Well, I always think, too. You're not Do you get it, Scott? You're worried about them getting hurt. <laughs> I, I get it. I had to follow that bouncing ball for a long you know time, I mean? but I got you're there. You're racing there a million other sperm. You're, you're, you got to be the fastest one. Right. Well, putting Jesus. it back, yeah. the, the mother has to go through a whole lot of pain to do that. So why don't we build up yeah. the, pain res- like the pain threshold of the kids so that yeah. if they ever 
end up having a baby or have to do something that's a little bit painful, that they have a big pain threshold. Yeah. Well, interesting. Right? Exactly. We're going into some very weird places. <laughs> this is totally like going this. off. All right. Like so you mentioned the one category is <laughs> yeah. about about the uh, the urge to get Great up high. Yeah, yeah, and hanging and jumping yeah. and dangling, all the fun stuff. That was my favorite. You could tell by be, me being a cheerleader that I liked heights. <laughs> yeah, and you know what I dig is is uh, uh, when kids. I don't see it as much nowadays, but when I was a kid, when you'd swing on the swing set and jump off. Yeah, that's the best. Right? As yeah. high as you could. Uh, so so it's all been a part of our life about mm-hmm. getting up to heights, whether it was garage roofs and stuff like that. Right. And I'm glad you're going to talk about why that's important. But mm-hmm. keep going through the categories. There's the okay. height and what else? Um, there's um, high speed. So oh, yeah. going really fast, yeah. down hills you were talking about, on your bike. Mm-hmm. Um, it could be tobogganing. It could be sliding down a slide. It could be, I don't know, anything oh, that you man. go really, really fast yeah. on. And eventually it could be motorized vehicles, water slides, water slides, anything to get you faster. Right. And yeah. this is the same with infants and toddlers. As soon as they can move, it's about getting faster. You're going to see them. They're going to realize that crawling's not fast enough. I have to stand up and walk mm. so that I can get faster. And then it's running. And that's that's hard for us to watch sometimes because we know they're going to run into a wall. Absolutely. <laughs> can I just make a brief, uh, mm-hmm. a brief point here? Um, I love water slides so much and to hear that there is a developmental backbone behind going on water slides and there is further justification for me a 30 year old male to go to a hotel and and go and by himself by myself (laughs) and just start ripping down a water slide and when people ask me what i'm doing i could say i'm i'm being developmentally conscious conscious i mean that's just (laughs) you've given me such a fabulous gift i'm learning about the speed of my body and through they, space. Yeah, uh, I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna say it in that, that kind of. I would. I, not in that tone, though. Yeah. That's not gonna make my case. But on a water They'll slide, you, you really have to control your body. If you think about like how fast it's going and so how much, much like the water's kind of like there's so much devel- physical development that you're learning and from just going down that, the water slide. On top of that, you want to make sure you're on your shoulder blades and your heels so you get the maximum trajectory. Definitely. You have to make sure you're leaning into the curves. There's. Yeah. I mean, we could. We need a separate podcast about water yeah. slides. No. And I like motorcycles, so yeah. that's basically a water slide. <laughs> water like, slide on the road. On the road. Yeah. Yeah. It's there on the go. road. Um, but again, what we're what we're getting at is, you know, that 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 we talked about how wonderful it is to get kids climbing and what you learn. And then again, that speed. I'm glad you brought up motorized vehicles because I'd always let the kids ride their bicycles as fast as they could. They crash, right? Mm-hmm. And people would go, Oh, you know, how do you feel about that? I said, you know. I want them to do this at this age and not when they're 16 in my car. I want them to know the limits and the expectations of speed because I love speed too. My worst accident I ever had as a kid was involved speed on a bicycle and experienced a speed wobble and got uh, a terrible scar on on my chin. Uh, but I rub that scar every time I'm riding one of my motorcycles and I start to feel a speed wobble. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That saved my life when I was, what, 12. Yeah. Right? Definitely. So, yeah, so learning that, about that for sure. Height, speed. Um, I guess dangerous uh, elements. So that includes mm. like fire, mm. um, dangerous water. So Literal river, elements. streams. Yeah. yeah, there are elements. Cliffs, that yeah. is included as well. I would probably include ice on that because that's kind of an yes. element, oh, right? Yeah, absolutely, yeah. absolutely. Um, yes. But yeah, so it's just actually understanding about those elements and being mm-hmm. able to handle it. So I even think, I when I think of fire, my, well, when even when my son was 14 months old, he knew not to go b- close to the fire. We would have yeah. fires a lot outside. It's surprising how young they understand heat. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 
right? And obviously, I wouldn't just leave my kid by himself by a fire because infants and toddlers, you do have to supervise and you do have to Mm -hmm. watch because you Mm -hmm. don't know what they might do. But he knew not to go really close to the fire because he can feel the heat coming off of of it. My son, Mm -hmm. my son at, at, you know, probably around the same age, if not even a little younger, we, we made it very clear to him what hot is. And we wanted to, as soon as he started to, to show some words, we Mm -hmm. would, we labeled things as hot. And then he started labeling everything as hot. And in our minds, it was like, yeah, okay, yeah, everything's hot. We can whittle down what's not hot (laughs) afterwards. Except for the waitresses, because that's getting sexist. Right. That's another... Definitely don't don't do that. We don't take our our toddlers to restaurants. Oh, don't you? No, we don't. (laughs) Can't afford to do that. I'm an ECE, Mark. (laughs) I I had a terrible aunt, and I'll never forget when I was little. I knew hot. I learned it. You're not stupid, right? And I remember the element was on, and I was just putting my hand to see, like, how close can you get? Like, yeah. to, where, where, where's the grating? And I was, and she grabbed my hand and stuck it on the element and said, "Don't ever touch anything hot." And I remember it in my head was going, "What the fuck did you do that for?" Right. I knew it was fucking hot. Yeah, yeah it's true. Oh, I'm bringing up some stuff that yeah, there this you is go. A nice it's an emotional session. therapy yeah, session. Just exactly. talking about you know, these I am, things. I am feeling better. Yeah, that's good. There you go. That's but good. you touching that was probably an, not an no, important, Melinda. not an important lesson in that sense. But actually, touching something hot is actually helpful to you. If no, you Melinda, think about it. not that scenario. I knew it was fucking hot, okay. Melinda. <laughs> I know. Okay, you're taking my inside. Now I'm feeling bad okay. again. You know I'm, I'm, gonna take I'm not your taking your. I'm not taking your inside because that whole scenario is different. But when a kid does it without someone prompting right, them to do it right. and they burn themselves you're hoping it's not a really bad burn because we yeah. don't want kids to have really bad burns but Absolutely. let's have a small burn because then you realize that the element and understand the dangers of that element and then how to respect that any kid who's touched a slide in the middle of summer a metal mm-hmm. slide knows yeah. exactly and what it, that i keep is. thinking about knowing the properties of it too like do you know like if you do build a fire do you teach children how to build fires that's an important skill to have for survival as well mm-hmm. but also do you have water by it so you can take put right. it out if you're in a forest so that you don't start a forest fire there's so much like so much learning that just comes with learning that element but also very helpful for children to learn okay so those are three so yeah. far you've got the heights you got the speed you got the, the near the dangerous elements um how about dangerous tools or oh, objects yeah. i like to add objects because i think of infants and t- i like to do the whole development piece too yeah. and um actually in your last podcast you talked a little bit about objects why do they put things in their mouth and mm. i really enjoyed that because I let my infant, when, or infants and toddlers actually hold small things that they could possibly choke on while I supervise them. Yeah. And obviously I put it away when I'm not, they're not around. Yeah. But yeah. part of me doing that was because I know I, I have a four-year-old as well. And I know he has little t- small Legos that I know eventually are probably going to get like yeah, swallowed by my, yeah. <laughs> by the, by his sibling. So I keep making sure that he has practice with those small yeah. items yeah, yeah. and other things he can do with it. So yeah, he might like lick it and he might put it in his mouth, but I, I keep trying to get him to do other things with it and show him all the other things I can mm-hmm. do because it's actually not food. Yeah. And uh, you know what? My 19 month old, I can, I feel very confident him being in another room with me, not there with small objects that my four year old has because he doesn't put things in his mouth anymore because we've had all that practice. And I think that's the whole thing is just really understanding objects. So for infants and toddlers that can can include a stick or anything like that, because, well, as Mark had said in the last podcast was that they're actually like everybody else is at risk with infants and toddlers, (laughs) (laughs) but themselves, that's what they're actually really learning is how do those, how to manipulate those objects with themselves so that they don't hurt themselves with a stick or a fork or whatever that object is. 
um, for older kids, it could be saws and yeah. knives. Yeah. Yes. Um, I even think cooking. We were talking about cooking yeah. right in the last yeah. one. Like, so a stove. Yeah. Like, let's let's my, both my kids. They watch me cook right at the stove. Yeah. They yeah. never touch the stove. So they stand on the chair right there. That's they I know think it's one hot. of the most insulting things mm-hmm. is is when. And again, I'm not trying to be judgmental about this, but when when parents and adults, adults in particular who don't have kids, when they when they freak out or when they get so um, anxious about the idea of a kid being within 75 feet of a stove and they just you don't they don't they worst case scenarios just go through your mind Mm -hmm. all the time as a parent Mm -hmm. of of oh my god well if they they touch this then they could burn their fingertips off Mm -hmm. then they'll never be able to get a license and then they'll never be able to drive off they'll be dependent on me for the rest of their lives Mm. because they've lost their fingertips i don't know mark i was going through a panic spiral i can't Uh, really keep track of everything i noticed that it was going sorry it's just (laughs) it took me to a dark place now (laughs) but it's there's there's that that sense of of um protecting as a parent you have a natural instinct to protect mm-hmm. right mm-hmm. but it's i think part of what we're we're trying to accomplish here today is is you know how far do you need to protect and how far do you need to to allow yeah and and be okay with well and for any kind of dangerous object or tool you should be there supervising and helping them learn how to do the, manage the skill like of using a tool with purpose and yeah. then that's the yeah. thing is why we're probably freaked out is we're thinking you know they're gonna saw off someone's leg or they're gonna saw off the kitchen table which is not appropriate because we need that table right well let's put boundaries and rules to mm-hmm. how to use it but how to use it properly because they're actual tools meant for specific purposes so let's teach them the specific purposes because most of the time when they do those other things it's because they actually don't know what the specific mm-hmm. purpose is mm-hmm. for that tool absolutely can i can mm-hmm. i just add into that is that you know our earlier podcast we're talking about your generation has access to technology and information yep. but anecdotally i have noticed your generation doesn't fix anything they go buy new things whereas my gene in the old days you had to read four different books mm-hmm. right we had to read four different books and because we played with tools i'm gonna, yes. I'm gonna challenge you on that just well a you come bit. from a little different background there well but but there's also people like there's a couple different elements there that i think don't that aren't fairly represented first of all a lot of things that we we use are designed to fail after a certain amount of time and they're hard to find replacement parts for that's not everything mm. that's not a blanket statement on you everything. can go back to the factory in china and get the parts nowadays right you're if lucky. you know the yeah if you know the part number of that specific beanie baby thread oh but there's also an incredible catalog of of how to fix things mm-hmm. online yeah. right mm-hmm. youtube's there's amazing y- for that there's actually. youtube channels for ev- i'm like if you want to teach yourself anything just go on to youtube you yeah. can teach yourself that but actually this that's the big thing is that the reason why we say no to tools and different things like that is because us as caregivers don't know how to use yeah. them yeah. so how how yeah, are we supposed to trust true. and like supervise and teach a child a skill when you don't have this skill yeah, exactly and so are we able to like learn those skills so that we can teach our kids or can we bring someone who does have those skills to teach our kids so that you feel more comfortable with them using it? Can I add into that? You know, um, and I like your bit what you said there is we're uncomfortable with it. So it isn't going to happen. We're uncomfortable with risk because we don't risk as adults, you know, maybe we'll cheat on our taxes, you know, Mm -hmm. but we're not going to do the same risk that kids are. Mark uh, is Mark's thought. Just a (laughs) little slight disclaimer here. Mark's thoughts are his own. 
own and independent of anyone else on this podcast. I just want to make it from your accountant, isn't it? (laughs) And uh, what I noticed, my wife um, uh, is taking carpentry classes and she's taking saws and and routers and all this stuff. And when she comes home on a Monday night, she's like a little kid again Mm -hmm. because she's using tools that she's never used before. Things that she was afraid of, mm-hmm. you know, uh, uh, all the different saws, the band saws, the drill presses. She was afraid of those things, but now she's using it. And I'm, I'm watching this woman who I've known for 30 years become a little bit different because she's playing with dangerous tools in a very mm-hmm. meaningful, intentional way. I actually think of when I was in junior high in a woodworking thing, I... I... <laughs> I didn't do very well and my teacher pretty much made my stuff for me and I think it was I was fearful of it but instead of helping me get over that fear and doing it myself he like fed into that so I think maybe my like I still use tools as a kid with my parents like Mm. hammers and saws and stuff like that but like the electric tools I was really fearful of and I still am actually when I think about it and I like think back to that and I go well someone doing it for you is actually not helping either so how can we get the children, we, when you talk about like getting them to be autonomous or autonomous or industrious yeah. or like get yeah. them to do it and don't f- put your fears into those children. Remember when I was going to teach mm-hmm. you how to do a chainsaw? Yes, I know that's right what I was totally the, thinking of. Right in the middle of a workshop while you were like and immensely. I'm almost like eight months pregnant. <laughs> yeah. So a little voice went off in my head said, maybe not a good idea. And luckily Mark, Mark has a wife that's yeah. <laughs> Okay. Yeah. That was the little voice going there, off. Yeah, yeah it was totally Let's all be out. Okay, so we got heights, we got speed, we got uh, near dangerous elements, we've got with dangerous tools. What Um, other play they want to do? Lost and disappearing, which you talked a little bit about too, right? So just being unsupervised. Yeah. Man, I miss children being unsupervised. And I've been working really hard actually with my children. Um, so my, when my nephew comes over, my son and my nephew, we've been really working on just like, go play in your room by yourself or go like, we want them to go outside in the backyard there. And they have a lot of trouble. There are three and four. So that (laughs) that might be part of it too, but they're starting to get it. They're starting to be able to do it by themselves because they're constantly wanting to be close to us. And I think it's that. Can I add something? Like there's gotta be research out there about the effects of surveillance on people. Mm-hmm. Like, um, you know, we've got the closed caption televisions everywhere and all that stuff, right? Or the, the, the cameras. There's got to be research on how detrimental it is to your health. Oh, yeah. To be under constant surveillance. And I think about our poor kids where, again, we started off with the mother just allowing her kid to go to the store by, by yeah, themselves, exactly. right? And so our kids are under constant surveillance, whether they're at home or in childcare. For Christ's sakes, they mm-hmm. can't even have a pee without someone, you know, yeah. uh, being there. So y- have you noticed if this urge to disappear and to be away, uh, have you noticed that there's been an increase in that when I kids aren't know. giving enough of the opportunities? I don't know. Like, to, Well, okay. If you think of it developmentally, yeah. that's like literally what they want everybody wants to do as a human is like get over that um separation anxiety that's what that's all about infants right if you think about it as a separation anxiety thing yeah so babies they need you there always but like that's then eventually you can um they can go around the corner and then but they know that you're still there right like so like that's just even though you're in the close peek-a-boo. you're playing peekaboo, peek-a-boo that's, yeah, yeah exactly disappearing, right yeah, that's yeah. just that's basically lost and disappearing for that age 
And then as they get older, it's like slowly like going way out in the field. If you're playing in a child or yeah. if you're in a childcare center, it's like just trying to get away and being able to swear by yourself. Yeah. Yeah. How about <laughs> just <laughs> giving kids a box of blankets? Yeah, yeah. exactly. And they build a fort build a to fort. get away it's from It's anything you. like to just to be on their own because they don't even get that. Yeah. And then I think about um, like back in the day, I, kindergarten, I, my mom walked me the first day. I walked the rest by myself. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I went to the park from kindergarten on by myself. Mm-hmm. Like there was like, I had friends, we would meet up. Like I like didn't even know what friends I would play with that day. I'd go outside and see who was out there. Yeah. And that's, these kids aren't getting that anymore. Yeah, exactly. And then I also say our law says at 12, they can babysit someone else, but they've never been by themselves before 12. I don't yeah. want that babysitter for my kids. Yeah. Yeah. It's a little bit scary, right? Yeah. So I want an independent kid who knows how to problem solve on their own. And that's yeah. what happens when you're on your own without a character. They're not turning into Morrissey by wanting to disappear. Yeah. Did I just date myself? Yeah, because I don't know who that yeah, is. That. Girlfriend in a coma, <laughs> I know. I know. It's pretty so serious. So what's the next um, risk? <laughs> we had heights. We had speed. We had near dangerous elements. We had with dangerous objects. We just talked about disappearing. What is the last one, Melinda? Um, rough and tumble play. Oh, I left. Always leave that for last because nice. it's my one of my favorites. Love it. So rough and tumble play is either wrestling, mm-hmm. it could be play fighting, sword fighting, all the really fun stuff, and it always has another person. So the risk is basically you can harm somebody else, yeah. and it's amazing. A, a yes. fundamental part of my uh, uh, childhood as a male, mm-hmm. like um, I know you're interested in the concept of consent and <clears throat> teaching consent. Yeah. You want to teach your kids consent, have them wrestle. Yep. Definitely. Because there's code words to stop. I have to respect that when you say no, as you have to respect it when I say no. Absolutely. Yeah, so really understanding and understanding those limits when someone's gone too far going, oh, that didn't feel comfortable. I need to say stop. So yeah, yeah, that all comes into consent as well. But you learn so many awesome cues from Mm. uh, rough and tumble play, including like, yeah, when does when someone says stop, you stop. But eventually you get to see it in their face. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Right. So like you don't need the word anymore. You Mm -hmm. can say, wow, your face is turning red. Mm -hmm. You look uncomfortable. I'm just going to stop and check in on you. Yeah. See how things are going. Um, the big thing that children learn actually through rough and tumble play is the difference between aggression and play. Oh yeah, yeah. right. So yeah, yeah. aggression sure. is like mean spirited. It's like real kicking, real fighting. Comes from a place uh, of anger. Anger, like they separate. They don't want to play mm-hmm. with each other after. Like there's so much. That's aggression. Yeah. But if you watch rough and tumble play, there's none of that. Mm-hmm. What you see is it's con- they both consent to it, so it's voluntary. They have fun. They're sociable. There's actually give and take in it. So if yeah. um, aggression, there's dominance in the play. So one person's trying to win. Whereas in rough and tumble play, it's actually it's there's give and take. And someone might say, oh, I'm winning. But if I keep winning, then this game doesn't continue. So they give a bit so that it keeps going. Um, Which is yeah. uh, those unspoken rules. Like, yeah. And the unspoken rule, uh, I don't know about you, but I've only seen rough and tumble where it's the smallest kid after the biggest kid, yep. yeah. not the other way around. Like, remember when we went to jail last year and I I took you down, you Scott. Did. You I took to. you down you because to. I, I, I had to sort of prove my place, yeah. right? Yeah. And and it's there's just something. Do you remember you and I did a little rough and tumble play with a uh, a school age center here in yes. lovely Winnipeg, mm-hmm. one yes. great Winnipeg, city, one great city, and um, uh, there was a boy and a girl fighting. Yeah, that was the best. And they they were on top of a picnic table on top of the snow, and they were just giving her, and they went flying off the table. 
when we came in, I'm an old man. And I was, I love rough and tumble, but I never fought girls. And so I don't know if you remember this, but I sat down with him and I said, okay, like, what's the rule around fighting girls? And he said, if she's the same size or bigger, it's fair. Yeah. And, and she I also went, said that she, he learned that she was really strong. She's really strong. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. That's the feminist dream yeah, right there. Yeah, I was like, yeah, that I want to hear that. kid was way ahead but of me. Another question we asked him was, what if a younger kid yes. wants to wrestle you? Yes. And he said, or would you let him? Yeah. And he said, yes, I would. But I'd take it easy on him yeah. because he knew he had more skill. Yeah. yeah. And that's what we want to hear. It's all about that socialization, yeah. knowing your like strength and compassion. knowing your compassion yeah. and yeah. knowing that actually your skills could teach somebody else. For sure. There's so much benefit to rough and tumble play when you say yes to it. Mm -hmm. And I think that's mm -hmm. a that's a very important piece for I uh, I love this the the distinction between aggression yeah. and, and play and the idea that that this is, you know, because as, as a parent, you get very anxious about stuff like that. Yeah. You get very anxious when you see two kids fighting each other. Mm -hmm. Well, and I always say that if it is aggression, you stop it because yeah. it's not play. Yeah, exactly. So you're actually not stopping their play. You're stopping aggression and right. you should stop aggression. If we want to stop the bullying problem, you stop aggression. You figure out what the problem was. You get them to solve it and learn how to do it in a different way. Yeah. Once you do that, you're getting rid of the aggression. And you're getting back to play. Okay, mm -hmm. so this is all fine and dandy. Mm -hmm. We've got these six good categories. I think you've brought, and I hope people who are listening to this go, oh my God, I did all those things as a kid. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Those were all my urges. And don't we want our kids to do the same things, to turn mm -hmm. into the wonderful people we turned into, right? What do you see are some of the barriers getting in the way of this? Well, and I think you talked about the judgment of others okay. in yeah. your last podcast as yeah. well, right? I think we're constantly being judged as parents. I feel that even though I want these things, I know these are the best things for my kid. I know that I'm scared of getting CFS called on me because I'm going to let my kid go to the park by, them, like, by yeah. themselves, both of them by themselves, yeah, you right? You should get those cards. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I was going to say, you know, and even though you were saying that movement kind of stupid, in a way, it's the only thing they got right now. Yeah. Parents are trying their hardest to say yes to their kids, but they don't know how to fight society. And to, I don't know. And to that point, I mean, mm -hmm. it's it's so important to have uh, families and parents. Uh, this is one of the, the, the reasons why having a parent network is so important, so critical. Definitely. That was when Mark brought up the, the idea of, of parents in my neighborhood. Um, you know, there was... We're, we're part my, my wife and I are part of a, a parents group for our neighborhood and the, the outpouring of support for those parents I signed a petition huge. and I'm not from your area so yeah, I signed too. that petition exactly yeah, me too. and I think that's where we need to get as, as a society to yeah. realize that children need to fight for their right because this is actually a right of a child we don't even realize this but if you look on the UN convention on the right of the child this is one of their rights is their right to play yeah. and um, the right to risk is part of that play. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And and also, uh, you know, we're sort of straddling things. We're talking about the barriers, but we also have to talk a little bit about the benefits of it, too. Mm -hmm. um, the, the, the sheer fact of disrespect mm -hmm. of a child when we deny them these, these natural urges, you know, and the disrespect and teaching a child that everything is dangerous. You think about that message, right? Yeah. A society telling kids, walking to the store to get your Mars bar is dangerous. Yeah. You create you create an an environment of of where you learning and, and 
progress comes from a place of fear, which is yeah. not healthy development no. for anybody, Absolutely. right? Yeah. And, and that's one of the barriers. Is yeah. It's actually called anxiety-based caregiving. So now all of our fears are now being put onto yeah. the children. Yeah. What They didn't have it before, but now they do. Yeah. And what the research is now backing up is that all the anxiety, the children or adults now that have anxiety and depression and who have fears or mm-hmm. phobias, it actually stems back from their lack of risk taking mm-hmm. and can from I those also, lack of other play that they needed to like get over those fears. Can I add in there too, engaging in hazardous, uh, far riskier um lifestyles and and decisions when you get older so i know there are studies in germany about because they're really Mm -hmm. risk crazy like they avoid it like like crazy Mm -hmm. but high rates of teen pregnancy high rates of juvenile delinquency high rates of of juvenile drug use um if you've gotten to play with risk when it really matters when you're Mm -hmm. younger why do you need to do it when you're 16 17 because it's a need right no but what i'm saying is you deal with it you deal with it when you're young so you don't have to deal with it when you're older and you have to figure it out and when you have yeah when you when you're young when you have that safety net of of support around you that is constantly we want children to make mistakes yeah and that's that's the whole thing is that's our society right now is we don't want children to make mistakes or get hurt but that's what they need to do to learn so that they're not making those really big mistakes when they're older yeah exactly and yeah so the small mistakes are easier to deal with yeah okay really big ones so you talked about societies being a barrier you talked about fear yeah any any other barriers that sort of get in the way um well, I think it's just um, maybe not being able to handle. Maybe it's like the, the guiding strategies that you might oh, use when it gets yeah. out of hand, maybe. So I think sometimes we're just, we're, we don't know how to handle it if it does get out of hand. Or like, wh- I don't know, especially when it comes to rough housing, not knowing like For sure. when to stop it, how to stop it. Um, there could be like, maybe it comes down to laziness too of like, you know, I have to supervise this or I don't have the time. I call it laziness, but it might be the time that you might have to yeah. put in it to supervise. And we know our society right now too. We don't have a lot of time. We're working, we're yeah. doing this. So to take the time we sometimes cer- is hard. We certainly don't feel like we have the time to mm-hmm. to slow down, take a breath and to to do these things, to establish these kind of mm-hmm. play rules that make it a productive But experience. I think if we can really learn how to not supervise our kids, yeah. and I think that's the big problem right there is because we feel like we have to constantly supervise, we feel like we have no time, yeah. mm-hmm. right? If we gave the children those that freedom, mm-hmm. then maybe we would feel less pressure yeah. to teach those skills because naturally they're going to learn those skills. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, and we're living in a weird time where the parenthood is turned into this cult, yeah. And, and put onto this pedestal mm-hmm. instead of trusting parents to do the best thing that they can, but also by trusting their kids to allow them to do the things that they yeah. want to do. Right. And that's a yeah. good parent. That is a good parent. Like sometimes we think we have to do all this stuff, mm-hmm. but naturally children will just do it. Mm-hmm. And I think if we put more trust on the kids, you're going to feel less pressure as a parent because you're going to go. This is part of development. They naturally will do this. And yes, they need me. They need that warmth, that like the, the you know, like the, the comfort, hugs. The they trust. need the comfort. They need the mm-hmm. trust. You have that foundation. And all they need is that structure of knowing their limits, the consequences to the behaviors. If you can just do that, they're going to learn through their play. So you don't have to stop all their play. Just let their play happen and then talk to them about mm-hmm. it if they make a mistake. And that's and that's another thing that that I think we we would be remiss if we didn't include is the idea of of how you how you perceive uh children uh, do you do you see kids as being you know v- empty vessels that you need to fill with knowledge 
or do you see kids as being as having their own experiences coming mm-hmm. with their own knowledge coming with their own information which they and they they have that mm-hmm. right like kids yeah. since they're born they they are they are learning they're gaining experiences they are and and since even before they're born right like mm-hmm. they're they are taking in information and they're processing it and they are using it to interpret the the chaos that they see around them and so mm-hmm. we need to to trust that children are taking that information and and are their brains are using it they are using it and then they you'll see it in their play mm-hmm. yeah and uh, yeah go ahead. but they don't want to get hurt that's no. why people have to understand is that uh, and we'll get into this a second but they about the risk management that yeah. that kids and human beings naturally have i notice that we're more comfortable with an infant risking than a school ager like Absolutely. we want a baby to get up and fall down because we know that's how you learn how to walk. But when you're a school age, we're not cool with you having a knife. Yeah, exactly. Right. Uh, which, again, risk doesn't risk move all those developmental urges. I also think, too, that's part of our fear. But sometimes you would like a school age to use a sharp knife when they're cutting stuff for food prep compared to a knife if they were like whittling or something like yeah. that right yeah. sometimes you're like even though you're saying i wouldn't let them have a knife but you would in certain situations because mm-hmm, exactly. you're comfortable with that so mm-hmm. really it's it's going back to like what your comfort zones and maybe that's why you're stopping it yeah can i, can I ask you why 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 is risk so beneficial then okay. we know the barriers i'm going to talk to you actually ones. about dr mariana bersani's work She's actually a a doctor from the University of BC, and all of her research is in injury prevention. Mm. And she's one of my main, I just love her, because everything she's researched is how do we stop and prevent injuries? And what she found is that in order to prevent injuries, you need to let children take risks. This is all a part of her work, because what happens when children take risks? Their physical, physical abilities actually increase because you're increasing their skills and their physical abilities. And through experience, children learn how to manage and assess risk because you can't manage and assess something unless you've experienced it. So when I said, yeah, you have to let a kid fall, um, that is like a consequence to something that you've done so that you can manage and assess that the next time you do it. So unfortunately, we don't want kids to get hurt, but that's the only way they're going to manage and understand that risk. And so I think her research is actually really, really vital for understanding why we have to say yes to risky play. And that's something that we talk about as uh, as caregivers when we're, we're learning early child development. We talk about the idea, when we're talking about guiding, when we talk about consequences, we talk about, you know, the, the differences between discipline and punishment. We talk about consequences and, and the different kinds of consequences there are. And one of them being the most important, I think, being natural consequences mm-hmm. to actions, right? Mm-hmm. There's, if you climb a tree and you fall out, that's a natural consequence yeah. Of you not grabbing that branch. Well, I have a a judgment. I have a good story about falling. So when uh, my oldest son was young, um, he would climb everything in my house. So he was probably about 14, 15 months old. And we got this like Tonka truck, but we kept the wheels off because in the wintertime we needed something in the living room for him to climb. So he would climb over top of it and he kept going over and over until he got really good at it. Then one day I see him, his feet are on it, on the top of it. And he's holding on and he stands up and I'm there with him and he goes jump. But if you've ever seen like a 16, I think he was probably 17 months, 17 month olds jump, they don't jump. They don't actually no. know how to jump no. or get off the no. get off, get off yeah. the floor. So I was like, no. And my mom heart <laughs> was down in my th- throat. I was like, oh, please. And in that moment, I saw that he had no fear. 
And that scared me probably more than anything else because he didn't know the consequence for that action. And in my mind, because I had all this information, I said, oh, he has to fall and I have to let him fall. And you know what? He did that again. So he stood up and his cousin was there, distracted him and he rolled off. It was the perfect fall for a mom because <laughs> it didn't hurt him. It scared him. Yeah. And I picked him up because what you have to do is you have to pick him up, control that emotion. I got him calm. I said, were you scared? Did that scare you? Calmed him down. And I said, OK, and got him back to play. And he climbed to the top. He stood on top holding on. He let go for two seconds and then hold it, held back on. Yeah. And I know in that moment that he learned the consequence to his action. Yeah. And I think that's what we need to do. And I'd rather at, at that height rather yeah. than a really, yeah. really tall height. Yeah. And I want him to understand that feeling he gets inside, those butterflies in your stomach, oh, yeah. that they call it, of I don't feel comfortable because I don't have the skill to do this yet. But eventually, this will be easy. So my son now can stand on there and even higher because his skill has increased and he knows his abilities. But he also knows how. Can I bring up the butterflies mm -hmm. you just brought up? You sure my can. My son, who is a jiu-jitsu fighter and a boxer, and he was saying, you know where that term comes from is that your body is 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 focusing all of its attention to the parts that it needs in this risky situation. Mm -hmm. So the first thing to go is your gut because you you don't need it. You need all the focused attention. So it, it's it's what's happening when your gut's shutting down. So we're naturally built for this kind of stuff because we're focusing our attention on stuff. I'm always remiss, or remiss, but I'm always reminded by a story my wife always tells uh, about risk and how you're the absolute safest in risky play because you are so focused. And how, you know, you brought up the slides, you know, those metal slides. Yep. And she would go up on this two story metal slide. Well, she would take a can of Pam from her mom and she would spray the slide with Pam and then they'd get sheets of wax paper and they'd go up to the top, sit on the wax paper and just their molecules be on fucking fire by the time they get down Absolutely. to the bottom thing. Now she broke her arm on that slide, but not doing that just regular old sliding someone wanted in around her and she just stepped away and fell not focused but when you're risky play you're you are on you're hyper focused what's another benefit in your perspective you said about you know we learn about injury prevention it's got to be more than that oh well there's just like every skill that you could possibly think of right um because a hazard is something you don't see so Perfect. when right so if you're looking yeah. at the difference between what a hazard is compared to a risk a hazard is something that the child actually can't see so i think for infants and toddlers that's everything because they can assess <laughs> yeah. their environment yeah. Yeah. so when Very i let point. my child or when i let my oldest son climb on top of that tonka truck i made sure there was no toys around it it was on a somewhat comfy surface yeah. that was my job to assess and manage the risk in the area and so i knew that whole experience was going to be something whether it was physical whether it was learning how to manipulate the 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 um the truck whatever yeah. it was there was going to be learning in that situation and for me it was i needed him to understand the consequence of falling um where yeah so and then as they get older they can actually start assessing that risk and a risk is something that they know it's risky so him after he fell off of that and then decided to go back on he actually that's managing and assessing risk because he now mm. knew what could possibly happen he was able to know the consequence to whatever he was about to do yeah so you can see that in action mm -hmm. i don't know i yeah so for infants and toddlers 
we have to look for those hazards mm-hmm. for preschoolers. What I t- technically or I always usually do is I just say, hey, there's some hazards here. Like you want to take a risk. What could those be? And it could be other kids. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. So um, I don't know if they're playing with something and it could swing into somebody else. You can say, well, who are the other kids and how are you going to manage that? Mm-hmm. Um, could be, it could be, I mean, hazards in, in a daycare setting is there's probably every bit of a hundred million of them yeah i mean from sure. blocks to toys to like I said to other kids yeah. to, sh- to loose shoes on the floor right to... so can you look for those yeah, and so right. uh, like they don't necessarily always look for those things so we can be there to like point it out but as school agers you can say tell me what the risk yeah. the hazards are and let's clear those hazards so that you can take safe risks isn't that empowering and isn't that where uh anxiety can be removed yes which i, I always worry about for teaching kids that everything is scary that the undangerous is dangerous um that we're creating anxiety out there but if mm-hmm. we give them affirmation and empowerment like this that demon is slayed, Definitely. right? A- as one of the big sort of And benefits. that's the biggest thing about risky play. Remember, yeah. it's that exciting and exhilarating yeah. feeling you get. Well, you have that feeling because you know that you could possibly get hurt and there's a fear also involved. So now you've actually, when you decide to take that risk, what you're actually doing is saying, I feared that before and now I'm going to do it because I have this exhil- exhilarating feeling that I could possibly do it. And then when you do it, you've overcome that fear. Perfect. Okay, quick points. Just you, just to sum up yeah. what we do, because you've sort of peppered that through everything you've talked about. But just as a reminder for parents and caregivers out there, what's our role in here in helping a kid to do risk in a fun, manageable way? Well, you know what? What I really like about any kind of play is that they're doing it anyway. So I always say, do you notice your child doing this? So if you notice them climbing or doing any of the six categories of risky play, that's what they need and that's what their focus is. So take it seriously. So take it seriously. And then let's say, like, how can we do this? And if you're a little bit nervous or you have those, like, those (laughs) unsettling feelings, instead of saying no, can you say How can we do this? And maybe you start small and then work your way up. Because what you see is when you watch the children doing it, they actually can do it. They they have the ability to do that. So start small, Mm -hmm. watch it, and then you're going to say, okay, actually you can climb higher because I know you have the skill and ability to be able to go higher. So if a kid's going to climb a tree, get them to climb the slide first. Yeah. Then let's move to a tree. tree. See what your skills are. Yeah. And I don't don't put the kids up on the tree. No. If you want to get up on the tree, you Mm. do do it yourself because then that's showing that they have the skill and it gives them motivation and that confidence and that uh, of their ability that they can do it on their own. Um, So I think it's just looking for what your child's playing. And then saying, how can we do this? Mm-hmm. And starting there and then building on those skills so that they get better at whatever that that play is that they want to do. Um, yeah, I don't that's know. Beautiful. Yeah. That's beautiful. That's very well, well, very well said. Well, why don't we, since we got Melinda here, mm-hmm. why don't we have Melinda answer the advice? I, People I searching be, for advice. That would be a fabulous What idea. we have here is a, a, a question that parents always bring up when I'm talking about risky play and things like that. Um I, my brother had his eye poked out with a stick. I don't want my kid playing with a stick. How do you, Melinda, what would you suggest how you would deal with that? Okay, so I guess it depends. So 
Did he get poked by himself or by somebody else? It doesn't matter, Melinda. <laughs> his fucking eye came out of his head and the culprit was a fucking stick. Right. So then what that situation tells me is that they need more more time with the more stick. more sticks and eyes. <laughs> you got two eyes. <laughs> two eyes. You got man. two eyes, buddy. You try again. You maybe you need to chance. learn how to use a stick. Girls love pirates. <laughs> People don't want to hear that, but the more you take away the stick, the less skill they get using the stick right so whenever there's something that happens like a poked eye which yeah. i don't know i think the poked eye thing is a little bit played out i know that's <laughs> oh easy said. for you to say yeah, two eyes yeah, there you go but um we just you lost, there, Melinda. <laughs> we just lost our one-eyed subscribers way to go melinda oh, well, that's the first thing that people say about snowballs. Anything else yeah. is you're going to get your eye taken out. I don't know. That's always the eye. Yeah. And people it's are always very eye. worried about their yeah. eyes. It's all fun and games. But it. But there's things like, can I also, okay, yeah. so sticks, but I've also heard, you know, I like ropes with kids, but then someone will say, my, my sister hung herself with a rope. Yeah. I'm not comfortable with rope. So. Right. So that gets back to the, like, the caregiver's anxiety about, things or about the situation that maybe they've had past experience with right. which now is it our job to say no to that or is it our job to not put our fear onto yeah. that kid yeah. so it's just really going back to like am i projecting my fear about ropes because ropes are very valuable right. as a tool for many different things and if you're worried about a specific way that maybe a child can get hurt then maybe let's talk with the kids about what the possibilities Let, let's talk about those risks and how to manage those mm -hmm. risks instead mm -hmm. of saying no so I think it's just, I know that we're fearful of some of those things. I'm fearful of chainsaws, yeah. right? But I'm yeah. not going to, yeah. my kid actually asked for a chainsaw for Christmas. <laughs> and he's like, no, a real one. <laughs> like, oh my gosh, worst fear ever. <laughs> but, and a leather mask. <laughs> and I said, let's work our way to that one. I got him, I got him a snow saw. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I'm not saying no to it. I'm just saying let's work yeah. our way to it. Yeah. And I'm good with that. Yeah. And maybe I have to learn how to use it first. And that's okay. So maybe let's try and get over our, our own fears and try and say yes. So. Isn't that called social referencing? Like if you're afraid of spiders, you don't bring in your fear of spiders to kids, yeah. right? So accept it. Come to grips with it. Understand maybe it's a trigger for you and you got to deal with it. But I love what you said was don't project. That's not the job. Don't project yeah. it on onto kids and can i also say is what's wrong with using those as 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 sort of legends uh mm -hmm. of again the brother who got the eye poked out uh uh with a stick he's legend yeah exactly so be careful with the damn stick yeah use it as a story i mean the scary stories are what children love yeah. actually right they love the yeah. scary dangerous stories so tell those dangerous stories because then they can learn from it if they really love the story so yeah i think those stories are good to share. I am all about telling as much knowledge as you can about the dangers of it, but we should still do it. Okay. Right. And making sure you don't, even though you told a scary story, it doesn't mean you don't do it. It means you need to learn how to do it in a different way or Absolutely. a proper way. Absolutely. And yeah. can I just say, mm -hmm. um, I'm I'm not I don't really appreciate you bringing my my phobia of spiders out into the into the, the ether I like this, Mark. It's, this. There's there's very good reason. Of course. They lay eggs in your brain. Okay. You swallow seven of them a year. Okay. They have a whole island to themselves in yes, Australia. I know. Isn't that great? I love spiders. Well, then you go down to Australia okay. anyway. I'm afraid of cows. <laughs> See, I that's am. a logical fear. I, I, I know because they look at you like they got thoughts. They know your secrets. They, uh, yeah, I know. Yeah. Melinda. 
This was beautiful having you come out here to talk about risk. And I think you talked about it in a beautiful way that I hope is going to make people a little bit more comfortable or maybe just trust themselves. Yeah. And trust they know children. This is good. Yes. I think this is what it, like your whole show is probably going to be about is like trusting children and giving them back their independence and giving them back, like making them feel confident and capable again, because we've actually just taken it away. And I, I think we need to really give it back to them yeah. because that's, what's going to make our next generation really great. That's that it. is God. It's beautiful. It's a beautiful way to end this. Yeah, absolutely. Melinda Walden. Thank you so much thank for being much, on. Thank you Melinda. Scott Forbes. Mark Battle. Thank you. No, thank you. Oh, what's that behind you? See, <laughs> I don't really appreciate Ken sneaking up on me like that. <laughs> Just as a spider. It <laughs> took us forever to find that Thank costume. you very much to uh, to our main man, Ken, for, yes, for helping Ken us out with sound. Uh, we want to... Thank and you the guys. coffee. And the coffee. Ken made the coffee. Ken makes today. the coffee. He's he's our he's a resident coffee expert. I want to thank you guys very much for tuning into our show, for your likes, for your subscribes. If you can leave us a rate and review on iTunes, that's so helpful for us as a as a young podcast to help get people's attention. It helps get us uh, helps us work with the algorithms to make sure everybody listens to our show and people can find our show. We actually work with a guy named Al. Rhythm. Yeah. So that's what he was talking about. I think it's a fake I think it's a fake name. No, but. no, no, he's Greek. <laughs> <laughs> there goes our Greek audience. I Thank know. you guys very much once again. I'm Scott Forbes. I'm Mark Battle. This ain't babysitting guys. <laughs> <laughs>